You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements, or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with Lips and Ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L I B S Y N ads.com. You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements, or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with Lips and Ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L I B S Y N ads.com. We're not going to pass you again. Let's go, man! Yes, sir. Dude, I, I'm, I'm telling you, we've been excited about this. I, I thought we lost you when we moved up, and I'm excited to get you here. We're excited to get you here. we got a heck of a foundation growing, man. It's going to be fun. Feel me? Yes, sir. I can't wait. All gas, brother. Let's roll, man. Hey, I'm What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to the Turn the Jets podcast. I'm your host, Will Parkinson, at WillPaw11 on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. Hope everyone's having a, a good beginning of their week. Enjoyed some nice flight 2021 as it debuted last night and a nice two hours of content for, uh, for Jets fans to get them kind of fired up post-mini camp. Not as much going on right now before we get kind of geared up uh, the next couple of weeks for training camp, but um, good fun show for you today. We're gonna talk, I'm going to talk a little through um, some guys who the Jets on the Jets roster that could potentially be pro bowlers, kind of offensively and defensively. Um, talk a little bit about flight 2021 and, you know, that docu-series and see, uh, you know, talk about some of the, you know, takeaways. Um, talk a little bit about some of the mini camp takeaways as well and kind of preview the offseason for you guys. So stay tuned and uh, got a good show in store. First of all, uh, we get to some of the mini camp takeaways and, um, you know, and kind of some of the, some of the highlights of, uh, of last week and um, a couple of things that really stood out to me. Number one, um, really enjoyed the up and down nature, um, but you know the ability to balance himself out from Zach Wilson. Um, I think that's super important and crucial for him going forward. Um, I've mentioned this a ton of times. I think it's a great time for him to make mistakes, to learn from those mistakes, have Lafleur, Calabrese, um, you know, solid to some extent in his ear um, constantly, and um, something that I thought was really important. And they mentioned in, and you know, in the Flight 2021 documentary, but also. Um, you, you, you know, saw it all over the field. The coaching staff mentioned it multiple times of his ability to understand the verbiage of the offense, feel that he's a film junkie. He wants to learn the offense. He wants to get better every single rep. He's doing a lot of things naturally that um, LaFleur thought he might have to coach him up on from an arm angle perspective, um, from his drops based on um, specific reads in the red zone. Um, you know, maybe it's a, it's a play that normally they go five-step drop on that because it's in the red zone, he had to speed himself up and only drop, you know, only had to take a three-step drop, get the ball out quickly. Um, so all those things were super impressive from Wilson. Look, he had a couple of days that um, made a few, you know, made a few mistakes. He had some days where he lit up, you know, lit it up in the red zone, lit it up um, in seven-on-seven seven in the team. Um, so I, I was like, overall, I'm excited, you know, from, you know, from with the early returns on Zach Wilson, both from rookie minicamp um OTAs and then veteran and rookie you know um veteran veteran rookie minicamp phase one phase two and phase three of the offseason Zach Wilson's continue to get better he's continuing to improve um so that's something I'm super excited about and 
I think, you know, the next test, obviously the pads are going to come on. Training camp's going to be, you know, a dog of a fight and he's going to have to get through that and keep pushing, get some preseason reps and every single game, every single practice, you just got to hope he gets better and better. Um, continues to make those special arm angle throws, um, special, um, you know, put some velocity on the ball and then learn how to take it all on and off. So all those things are huge. And I think that's got to be the number one takeaway. And um, Number two, I think from a defensive perspective, we'll go to defense second. Um, you know, the cornerback room to me is something that is polarizing. I think it's something we've touched on a lot. Um, you know, turn on the Jets and, and the Badland pods, is, you know, it's been brought up a bunch as well. Look, they have a really, really young group, a bunch of fifth and sixth rounders, a bunch of guys that are good athletes, high-level athletes that either, you know, are raw from a from an experience perspective or, um, you know, getting put in the scheme. Maybe it's injuries, you know, from like a Bryce Hall perspective, Ruiz Mayfell or Michael Carter, and moving inside and outside and being more of a nickel guy, so his value drop. I think they've got some guys they feel really good about. Isaiah Dunn, who I've talked about, I talked about right after the draft as being somebody that um, impressed me that the Jets were able to get him. He's the, I believe that's the um, highest, you know, bonus and guaranteed money they've ever given to an undrafted rookie. So the Jets obviously wanted this guy. Um, Pinnock, I like a lot. I think, you know, top end speed and got over the, the over the top ball might be an issue, um, but I think they can protect him in some cover three, cover four, um, you know, some zone. And then, you know, if they go to play man, they can maybe go some, to kind of a, a matchup zone um, to kind of get ability to make some plays on the ball. He's a long corner. Michael Carter the second, um, apparently impressed in the slot. Um, the guy I wouldn't I would expect if they do make a move at corner, um, that it would be maybe in that slot position with a Brian Poole. I'm not sure that'll that'll happen. I think Brian Poole, similar to Sherman, Stephen Nelson, we talked about this before, waiting out to see, you know, going into camp, you know, what the vibes are like, some injuries that you know, most of these veterans don't want to have to go through phase one, phase two, and phase three of the offseason. They'd like to be they're kind of out on their own, working out on their own before coming into that, that team atmosphere. So um, pulls the name I'd watch. But other than that, um, obviously Isaiah Don, like I mentioned, running with the ones at some point. Bryce Hall got some one reps. Plus Austin got one reps. Um, you know, Pinnock, Michael Carter are two guys that I like a lot. Um, that I think you could contribute right away. Uh, and, you know, Eccles, I think, is maybe more of a special teams guy right off the bat. Could develop as well, but. The other two I was higher on coming out of the draft. Um, the other three, I should say, coming out of the draft. So, uh, you know, expecting there. And I think, like the Jets have mentioned, they want to have young guys fly around, be able to truly evaluate, and you know, the, all these guys this year in a year where if they, you know, can make a run at eight, nine, ten wins for some reason and they get hot, that's great. If not, they win six games. They've got a young team with a bunch of flexibility in cap space and in draft picks, some other dead money falling off. You know, Tremaine Johnson's, the Lefty Bell money. You know, you look at some dead money from Sam Darnold will roll off. So there's a lot of there's a lot of money that's been moved around and Douglas has gotten out from under and they'll truly be out from under that and Nunua, uh, his money as well. So, you know, they've got a lot of flexibility and draft capital going forward, but they want to test out these young guys, see if they, you know, when they get game, game reps, when they are able to be put in the fire, how do they react and solid develop some of these guys in, you know, third, fourth, fifth, sixth round, you know, type guys. Um, luckily, this year the Jets went all offense the first four picks. So, you know, there's a lot more high upside. Uh, Hamsa as well, you know, at that outside linebacker position, Jamie Sherwood, who I expect to contribute. You know, he's a big hitter, uh, you know, not the fastest, uh, one of the slowest, I think, safety times, you know, 20 yard split safety times. I think it's the most slowest in the last 20 years, but ran a really good time in the 40s. So he's got some top end speed. 
Um, his initial, you know, initial quickness and burst is probably not good enough to play at safety tonight at this level. But, you know, he's a guy that a big body that tackles well. Him, Hamza, and probably Blake Cashman at that um, at that will position. And, you know, you'll have Jarrod uh, Davis, C.J. Mosley, guys like that, um, you know, more inside. So um, I would, like I said, keep your eye out there um, defensively. Takeaway number three, I would say in a good way, from the receiving core, this receiving core is deep. It's the best receiving core I've seen in a while. You know, from the Jets, I think back to the Coles, um, Corbett days. I think back to maybe keep, you know, 98 team in terms of receiving core. I think 2015 was really, really good. Uh, Marshall and Noonwood, uh, you know, uh, Decker as well. Um, so there's a ton of talent there. You know, obviously we talked about this in the last podcast, but I expected Jameson Crowder realistically to be restructured. Joe Douglas pulled a rabbit out of his hat in that sense because not only did he restructured, but he got restructured to a number that's incredibly tradable to deadline if the Jets decide to go that route. If he does a really good job and he keeps him there, you know, the Jets have another year, of, you know, another year of Jameson Crowder, who's a very good, very good player. I, I think he's, you know, his ceiling's not as high as an Elijah Moore based on age, top end speed, and ability to play outside as much, but. You know, he's a nice player. He had some good chemistry with Sam Darnold. I'm sure he'll have good chemistry again with Zach Wilson. So he got in the building during minicamp, and um, you got to, you got, were able to see uh, Keelan Cole is impressed early. He's been getting a ton of ones reps. Um, Denzel Mims has ha- had a, I wouldn't say rough couple weeks, but I think between being sick, between coming back from two hamstring pulls, new system, had a couple drops one of the days, growing pains I would not be giving my stock on Denzel Mims up anytime soon do I think that he's long term going to be DeAndre Hopkins and Julio Jones no do I think he gave me a really really good number two and complimenting Elijah Moore and a Corey Davis and Jameson Crowder really well and Keelan Cole and you know all these different weapons yeah I do and I think he's 22 23 years old he's got ability to go up and get it and one thing I'll get to later in the pod about you know you take away from listening to floor talk he talks about you know, getting Jamison inside and outside, getting Elijah Moore on the inside and the outside, getting Denzel Mims in the slot a little bit, getting Denzel Mims outside on the move, on crossers, on some dig routes, being able to get the ball in his hands, throw it, you know, get Zach Wilson, flash Zach Wilson's arm down a little bit and let Denzel will, I mean, uh, Denzel Mims flash. So um, I was, I wouldn't say I was concerned. I'd be slightly more concerned about Chris Herndon. Uh, Chris Herndon didn't, you know, Mims running with the twos, not as big of a deal. It's a much deeper position group. Chris Herndon already running with the twos for a guy that struggled a ton the last two years to either stay on the field um, or to be consistent is not the best sign. Um, again, we're not overreact to depth charts. We're not overreact to reps at this point in the offseason. But I would say if I had to be more concerned about the two, I'd be slightly more concerned about Herndon. I think Tyler Cross is a nice player. I think he's a really uh, stable, consistent player. But I think Herndon should be able to succeed in this offense. I think the system could fit him well. I think that He's a guy with a lot of talent. He flashed a ton. And, you know, that was four weeks that him and Sam had this great chemistry in 2018, the Packers game, that catch over the middle on a, on a slice route was beautiful. And you think back to some of the catches even last year he made, Chargers game comes to mind, Patriots game comes to mind. Um, so, look, I, again, not time to panic on either guy. I do think tight end could be addressed if there was, you know, in the future that's a position that's going to need to be addressed unless Chris Herndon really grabs it by the scruff of the neck. Would not be concerned about Denzel Mims. Let him continue to adjust. He's a young receiver. He barely, I think he played eight or nine games last year. He, Again, I've talked about this before. The hamstring injuries are real. The Gacy offense is a real thing. So let all those things play out. Again, biggest takeaways, though, for me, 
the attendance, the vibes around the team, but Wilson's ability to, you know, you know, rebound uh, from some, you know, anytime he made a bad play rebound, I was impressed with the young corner group, Isaiah Dunn specifically, um, you know, DJ has mentioned this a bunch on the beat, just, you know, his ability that he's already running with the ones as an undrafted guy and his rule of that not talking on that, talking about undrafted guys until they give you a reason to, um, like I said, I like I've liked done a lot since you know, the day after the draft. Don Pinnock, Michael Carter, the second making impacts already from the young secondary group, along with Paul Austin, you know, Javelin Gidry, who, you know, forced four fumbles last year, which I um, kind of forgot about two of them um, off the top of my head. But obviously, you know, now he, he, was a, he did a good job in, you know, limited action. And number three, just not to panic too much on the Mims and Herndon train, but would be slightly more concerned about Herndon than Mims at this point during the offseason. But do not get too worked up on reps on depth charts at this point in the offseason because things change very, very quickly. Injuries happen very quickly. Patience, which I know is difficult to, <laughs> difficult to hear, but be patient. This is a super, super young roster, which is going to make them really exciting, but there's going to be growing pains along with this coaching staff um, and front office. So we'll get into a little bit of uh, you know some of the potential pro bowlers right after this. Next, let's get into some fun stuff. These are a couple of bold predictions, I would say. Um, but mostly guys that I think maybe maybe are, you know, a given, but I, I really truly believe, you know, could happen here. So I want to go offense first. Offensive guys, I believe, have a chance at making the Pro Bowl or an all-rookie team. Um, I phrase it that way because a few of the guys you'll hear me mention that have a chance to make a Pro Bowl, I also think will be, you know, all-rookie team guys, uh, you know, and potential non-quarterback rookie of the year candidates. So First, I think Makai Becton has a great chance to be a pro bowler this year if he can play 17 games. Now, he was really good last year, especially in the run game. Had a few games in the past game. Cleveland comes to mind, uh, you know, specifically where, you know, everybody struggles. So Miles Garrett, everybody struggles, you know, or people have struggled with Olivier Vernon in the past. So, uh, you know, I would say from a Makai Becton perspective, health and consistency. And continuing to build that image of just an absolute monster, monster left tackle for the Jets. The more games the Jets win, the more consistent he is, especially in those big games. You know, unfortunately, the Patriots game gets hurt on Monday Night Football. The Denver game gets hurt. So both nationally televised games for the Jets last year was injured and banged up. So, you know, if he can continue to have that happen and stay healthy, he'll be more than fun. Um, and I think the Pro Bowl is not out of his reach by any means. I think, and this might surprise some people, I think Elijah Vera Tucker could be a Pro Bowler this year. And this is not me being biased because I love USC or being a Jets bias guy. Guards a weaker spot in the NFL. It's not a deep, it's not a deep position group. I think Vera Tucker could argue is the best offensive lineman in this class overall if you took positional value out of it. Uh, you hear the Jets, and we'll get to this a little bit. The Jets it was a top 10 player on their board. Uh, they were not, they were always going to trade up for, they were planning on trading up from before the draft. There's a trade up partner I mentioned, you know, I didn't mention specifically Minnesota, but I did mention that Jets would be potentially trading up for Elijah Vera Tucker. I think if he has a great year, Makai Becton's healthy and he, adjust, he adjusts quickly and the Jets win some games, especially again on prime time, those highlight packages, you're going to see Becton, you're going to see Vera Tucker um, obviously playing next to each other. I don't think it's out of the reach that they could be at least, an, you know, 
the best rookie guard in the league this year, if not potentially, you know, potentially a pro bowler. Now the last one, I'm not going to go with Mims or Davis. Um, I think Michael Carter will have a nice year offensively. I think Zach Wilson will have a nice year offensively. Um, obviously growing pains for both. Elijah Moore, I really truly believe will at least be in candidate or at least be a candidate in the Justin Jefferson class of last year where Herbert wins rookie of the year. He's the quarterback, of course. But Elijah Moore, I think, will have the most big plays and touchdowns of any rookie receiver. I think he is polished. I think he's a great route runner. I think he's got electric speed. He's got ability to break tackles. I think Mike LaFleur is going to fall in love with throwing to this guy. I think Zach Wilson and him are going to continue to build chemistry. And I think he's probably the most unguardable guy on this roster. So, Corey Davis, contested catches, crossers, great blocker. He's a former top five pick. He's only 26 years old. He's going to have a big year. I think he could surpass or get to that 1,000-yard mark, right? He should have gotten there last year if he plays all 16 games. I think Dendell Mims has a good second year. Growing pains, but, you know, will continue to develop. Keelan Cole will get reps. Jameson Cryer will get reps. Elijah Moore will be one of, if not the best rookie non-quarterbacks in the league this year. And I believe he will make a Pro Bowl as at least an alternate. That will be my bold prediction going into the year. Um, you know, from the offensive perspective, flipping to the defensive side of the ball, I think there's three guys that you can make a huge case for. It could be Pro Bowlers um, if things go well. And then the outside guy. So I'll start with the outside guy. I think Carl Lawson, depending upon, you know, Ed Rusher is a deep position in the NFL. It's a deep position in the AFC. There's a lot of competition and people go based off stats, whether you like it or not, right? Lawson, 64 pressures last year. I think, I believe, fourth in the league. Got to the quarterback a bunch. Did not finish a lot of those plays because it's a product of people around you. It's a product of finishing plays off, getting sacks, staying on the field. Four and a half sacks is not going to get Carl Lawson to a Pro Bowl. Whether the NLA community wants to hear it or not, people still look at sacks the same way. People shouldn't really look at wins in, um, you know, wins in baseball, but they do, right? It's hurt pitchers in the past trying to get, you know, get awards. I think Carl Lawson, like Connor, um, you know, Connor mentioned on the Badlands pod, if he gets the 10 sacks, I don't know if it gets him into the Pro Bowl, but I think it gets him. It's, it's what the Jets need. And I think he's got the outside chance unless he has an insane year and has potentials fully tapped into and, this defense explodes, he gets 15 sacks, then yeah, it'll be a pro bowler. But more likely, I believe the Jets' biggest jump, um, Quinn was really, really good last year. I think Quinn has a chance to jump to that maybe number three spot as the third best defensive tackle in football. Is it lofty praise? Is there a chance that doesn't happen? Of course, but I, I really truly think for Q, he's got a big year incoming. I think he can get to that double-digit sack mark at 10. I think he'll be a pro bowler this year. I actually think this is the safest pick of all the guys on this roster to make a pro bowl. I think Becton on the offensive side of the ball is definitely the safest pick. Elijah Moore and Bear Tucker are probably, you know, more reaches. I do think more though. Like I said, I really truly believe he might be a pro bowler this year. Lawson could have a big year. It would take a lot to make him get him a pro bowl, but I think he could get there. I think Q could be an all pro, maybe a second team all pro guy. Um, no one's going to touch Aaron Donald ever. I think Aaron Donald's the best defensive tackle in the history of the NFL, even better than John Randall, guys like that. I actually, Donald's just ridiculous. You look at every analytical um, statistic, every metric, every single way you could ever measure how dominant somebody is. Watch looking at him and Jay, like if you, if you want to have fun, 
and you love watching Quentin Williams play football. Go look at how absurd Aaron Donald and how absurd J.J. Watt have been the last 10 years, respectively. It's it's actually it's insane. I, I don't know how else to t- you know say it, and you kind of have to see it to believe. some. Of, you, it's, it's almost unbelievable how ridiculous some of these numbers are, but – that said, I think Quinn could take a jump. Uh, Oberg said it last night on, you know, last night on the docu series. He can make a jump in that top three conversation. I truly believe it can, it's going to happen if he's healthy. He's got so much more support around him. This defense is going to let him get upfield faster. In a four three, which Q played in college, he was the most dominant player in college football. In, you know, 2017, I believe 2017, 2018, playing in that Alabama defense, great guys around him, was able to just get off the ball and explode. Um, out of that three technique position and now have to eat up two blockers can just get off the ball and fire off a one, take advantage of guards, which he's stronger than uh, advantage of centers and guards, which he's quicker than not have to go against as many tackles and double teams um, and Ted blocks on the outside. So I'm excited to watch Q. I think he'll be a pro bowler. He's my lock to be a pro bowler out of this defense. The other two guys I think should be pretty obvious as well. If CJ Mosley's healthy and even close to CJ Mosley, um, you know, if that five-year stretch in Baltimore from, I believe, 2013, 2014 through 2018, he probably would be a pro bowler as well. I think I've heard people, uh, Andy Hanson, who's been a guest on this podcast before, um, part of 3013 running, you know, running ops with Mike Tannenbaum, on, you know, on their site, has mentioned CJ Mosley, if you're, you know, if you're a gambler and look up CJ Mosley, defensive player of the year props, because there's probably you can get some great money on that and great value. And the guy is awesome. Um, if CJ is even close to CJ Mosley, like I said, Look at Fred Warner in this defense. Look at Bobby Wagner in this defense. Look at KJ Wright in this defense. CJ Mosley just as talented, if not more physically gifted than all those guys. Um, dominant, dominant player. Go watch the Buffalo game if you want to get some – look, he doesn't have to be that good because that that's that's Revis 2009-esque good. That was the best defensive performance the Jets have had in 10 years. It sucks that he's been injured. It sucks COVID happened. He, he's he looks healthy he looks lean it's great things you know great it's a great defense to be a linebacker in so you cover space you have to be athletic cj's all those things he's an instinctive football player and even if he lost half a step his the amount of sharpness he's got in his game i think will make up for it so he's a guy who can make a pro bowl and, and marcus may is the other one i think it's fairly obvious i think he's a top seven eight safety in the nfl i think again more help around him he can free up now he's got Joyner and year two of Ashton Davis to play alongside him at the safety position that can roam, um, can do a lot of different things. I think he's going to have year two of Bryce Hall. I think the corner spot's going to be difficult, but now CJ Mosley playing in front of him for 17 games. Now he's got a legitimate pass rush in the rankings um, on the inside. He's got Q on the inside. He's got, you know, Lawson and Curry and JFM and all these different guys. Uh, you know, it's going to make things a lot easier for Marcus May to make plays on the ball. I think people are starting to realize how good he is at both strong safety and free safety. You know, he obviously is, you know, he's, he's beloved because you look at him and he's always the anti-Jamal Adams. Doesn't say a lot, doesn't request a lot of attention. He's, you know, he, the Dinshed's got two first round picks for Jamal and a third and, um, and Bradley McDougal, but you know, other if you take a step back and and Sam, you know, Sam Monson from PFF mentioned it, Marcus is awesome. And the Jets, you know, hopefully get, you know, get an extension locked up, maybe a two or three year extension. And, you know, he could be a Jet for the first seven, eight years of his career and, you know, hopefully see some W's here, you know, paid off, you know, for his time, you know, being a Jet. But I mean, he could definitely be a pro bowler as well. You got guys like Jesse Bates and 
um, you know, and players like that, Minka as well in the division. I mean, not in the division, in the conference. Uh, there's a lot of different guys. So, um, you know, it, it is a tough position, Justin Simmons as well. So it's a tough position, but Mosley, May, and Quinnen on the defensive side of the ball, I'd say Quinnen's probably a lock to be a pro bowler if he's healthy. Um, and then, you know, on the other side of the ball, I would say Becton is the strongest candidate, but Vera Tucker and Moore probably have the best chance non-related, um, you know, offense-related to make a Pro Bowl. So um, we'll get into some quick takeaways, you know, from Flight 2021. And, uh, you know, we we'll got you guys ready for our pod coming out Friday. We've got some fun guests coming up. Olivia Landis, uh, Eric Coleman, former Jet, Greg Buttle, Ryan Clark, you know, during the summer. Um, I want I want to tease all the guests, but those are just some names that uh, that will be joining. We'll have some repeat guests. Connor will be coming back on the pod, um, you know, and a couple other a couple other big names. So um, we'll get you kind of going here, and we'll talk do a couple of takeaways, and then uh, you know talk to you guys on Friday. Lastly, before we let you guys go, takeaways from Flight 2021. Instant takeaway, significantly better than one Jets drive. <laughs> Not to be controversial, I just didn't think. Look, the, the thing with this regime that I've, I've found really fascinating, and I think it, as fans, you find fascinating people are covering the team, as people are trying to get inside information. There's very few leaks out of the building. There's very few true, you know, true information coming out. But this, this you know, regime between Douglas, Sala, Woody being back in the fold, Christopher, not as much, but Woody being back in the fold, has given people a ton of access to kind of the process with which the Jets do things, transparency around how things, you know, how they go about scouting. I thought that was really impressive and interesting. I think it gives, you know, people like myself who try to you know, help you guys out and educate you on what the Jets may do in certain situations or how to evaluate things. They give you good insight, right? You heard them talk about they rely heavily on their analytics department, which is you know, why they grade out Wilson so well and his arm talent. And, you know, they ranked him as a top two quarterback and, you know, pretty much every single thing. You know, you have to assume the other guy would be Lawrence, but they did a lot of Trey Lance coverage and, and the things. So you never know. But um, no, I'm just messing with you. Obviously, you know, it should be Wilson and Lawrence in that class. But, you know, they relied heavily on the analytics department. They relied on heavily on their scouting department, especially in the day four through, I mean, day three guys and undrafted guys. They relied heavily on, the way their process went about it, everyone individually scouted guys and then came together and, you know, constructively, you know, talked through each player. So there's no bias there. And that's how they really went about, so, you know, they obviously, they like Sam. They've repeated it multiple times and whether fans want to hear it, they're, they're like, they did, people in the building did like Sam a lot, but they felt like Wilson going forward made the best situation from contract wise, his upside, his ability um, and getting him, you know, getting him in here, and I thought that was really impressive to listen to him. You listen to Douglas get fired up about Vera Tucker's ability to, even if he's in a bad situation from a hand placement perspective, bad situation from a footwork perspective, which he normally is really good at. He's still able to win a battle, still able to put somebody in the dirt when you're usually at best hoping for a stalemate. He said it himself, and he went in full gorilla mode, right? And that was um, that was pretty cool to see Douglas get fired up watching him. You know, I'm talking about a lot of more stats to jump out at you, like 87 catches on 102 targets from a guy who's five foot eight, two total drops on the year. Lane Kiffin does a fantastic job moving guys around, getting guys in good positions. Ole Miss, obviously, he's had a huge track record recently. Receivers and the Jets got a great one who they probably would have taken at 23. So the Jets get, you know, they had him as a top 16 player analytically. Um, I, I've heard and I think a lot of people have heard, you know, he's a top 20 player on their board regardless analytics or just eye test. 
Um, so just getting three guys, you found that that out was really um, intriguing. Again, the thought process from the scouting department, the front office, the coaching staff on leadership, on culture and things like that. Stuff we kind of heard about or knew, but it was really cool to see in person. I mean, you know, see on video. And then lastly, just the it's just a different vibe in the building, man. It, it's it's exciting. I don't think the people or expectations are even out of whack. I think people are just like happy to be a fun team to root for, a young, energetic coaching staff, a young, energetic front office, an owner coming back who, whether you like it or not, you like him, his politics or not, you know, coming back. It's an exciting, it's an exciting time. And just listening to these, you know, Ulbrich and LaFleur talk about, talk football, man. And you listen to him get fired up talking about Q and putting him in spots in order to make him a top three defensive tackle. Or you listen to him talk about, you know, Jared Davis being not maybe positionally aligned right in Matt Patricia's defense in Detroit, but the amount of things they can do with him from an athletic perspective because of how good he was coming out of college as a top, you know, 25 pick. Or you look at LaFleur talk about moving Denzel Mims, moving, uh, you know, moving Crowder around and be able to, you know, get Michael Carter in the pass game and the run game or get Denzel Mims, you know, out in the slot or Corey Davis on crossers and things like that and be able to make, you know, quarterbacks, even if they're not making a great throw right or his ability, Wilson's ability to understand verbiage, understand, be a film junkie, all those types of things are they're really exciting to listen to. Um, biggest takeaway, again, that coaching staff, you know, we'll see how they're going to perform in game, but all the steps that are, you know, should be being taken and to get you fired up and confident are, you know, LaFleur's computer screen and monitor, which he watches film on, I'm sure, is the craziest thing I've ever seen. Um, that was probably the biggest takeaway. Uh, you know, other than that, it's exciting times. Like I said, we've got some fun guests coming up. Biggest things, biggest takeaways from the pod. Again, a recap. I think Wilson's consistency and ability to continue to develop consistency, not to panic about depth charts, snap counts and reps and things like that on, you know, June 22nd. Uh, defense is going to be young and exciting, especially at that corner spot. Um, and then, you know, I, I really truly believe, I think Quinn, Quinn May and Mosley with an outside chance of loss and all a chance to be pro bowlers. I said, I'd put my money, you know, number one on number one on Q. And then when offensive perspective backed in AVT and more, especially with more, I think believe truly will lead the league um, from a rookie perspective in big plays and, and, and touchdowns. So um, a lot of exciting stuff, like I said, guests coming up, stay tuned. If you haven't already, um, you follow me on Twitter, make sure you either donate or get involved on the, on the TOJ bench press challenge, trying to raise some money to, um, send some underprivileged kids to their first, you know, first or, you know, only Jets game of the year, the home opener. I've got, you know, something set up with the, the Jets ticket office and, you know, we're trying to put something together. So please click on the link if, if you can. Um, no pressure to donate, but if, you, if you'd like to, you know, we'd love all the support we can. Let's send some kids to a game, give them a memorable experience. And, uh, you know, you don't have to do 225. You can do 135 or 40 pounds, whatever it is. Get as many reps as you can. Challenge your friends. Let's get some exciting, get some players involved. And uh, continue listening to Badlands, TOJ Live, uh, Turn on the Jets Live on YouTube. Draft season will be back in the fall. And then continue to stay tuned Tuesday, Fridays for this pod. And uh, you know, we'll talk to you guys soon. Take care.